Hi, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Enlightened Conversations. Each week, we invite guests to share their views on the world, work, and their personal lives in an enlightened way. Our hosts have been chosen especially to role model just how we do an enlightened conversation. This episode is produced by Michelle Lightworker and sponsored by the Lightworker Foundation and White Light Publishing House. Hello everyone and welcome to Enlightened Conversations. My name is Raul and this is actually my first episode for season three. So yay! Yay indeed! <laughs> welcome. I'm here with a beautiful and effervescent Jacqueline Clausmore. Thank you for having me here, Raul. Thank Fantastic. you so much for joining me. And just to give you a little bit of background information about Jacqueline. Jacqueline is a sixth generation psychic healer, medium, empath. She's also an author. And uh, Jacqueline and I were co-authors of a book called Journey of the Lightworker, uh, available now <laughs> in really good stores. And who's there? Oh, hi, Veronica. How mm-hmm. are you? And today, I wanted to actually bring Jacqueline because not only Jacqueline is all these wonderful things, let me just show you people out there on Enlightened Conversations. Jacqueline is actually an award winner. She was the first Psychic of the Year in 2004 for Victoria. So, my dear, congratulations. Well Thank done. Thank you, darling. And later on in 2013, you were telling me that you were made an ambassador. A psychic ambassador. And, and at the time, I was doing quite a lot uh, trying to help out an organisation. And I've always done my best, I guess, to promote psychics, um, psychic topic subjects written in magazines, Um, quite a lot of cover stories with those articles I've written and stuff like that, Uh, doing radio since 1997, way back then. And I was the first um, New Age radio show in Australia actually to globally webcast through a US-based internet uh, natural living radio station back in the day. Uh, so they actually they actually contacted me from America and said we've heard about your show, uh, we'd really like you on our channel. And so I was sort of on the I was doing this from a community radio station <laughs> on the FM band, and I was sending them tapes back when you had tapes and mini discs and sending them to America. And then I had these emails coming to me from Montana and God knows where, saying, um, "When is your show on?" <laughs> you know, I'm like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> so yeah, it was quite interesting. Thank you so much for having us in your beautiful studio here in Melbourne, in South Yarra. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, who is she? Ah, well, you see, it's arguable. Some people actually go, oh, it's Nefertiti. And I'm like, no, it isn't. Um, you know, this is, this is actually Hapshetzit, who uh, was a female mm-hmm. pharaoh. Yeah, Look like at her eyes. totally scrubbed from the uh, history books, of course, because, you know... Females. Females, and, you know, and she had a stepson who was actually the next pharaoh, but she sort of had to take over business for quite a while there, and, you know, it didn't go so well for her, and, um, yeah, but she was, she was one strong lady. Well, um, from one strong lady to another. So here we have it. Jacqueline, today I wanted to have a conversation with you because... This word is being bashed around by so many people and uh, I've been hearing it a lot and the word is actually ego. <laughs> and let me give you my version and my... Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, I subscribe to the school of thought that ego 
it's like anything in life, yes? We got the yin, we got the yang, we got the light, we got the dark, we got the positive, we got the negative. But mostly people tend to concentrate on the word ego, on all the negative connotation that that word carries, rather than what I will say, you know what? To me, ego is the link between my conscious mind and my unconscious, and it's also what it allows me to have a personality, what it allows me to be uniquely me. So, what's wrong with this picture? Nothing. Um, <laughs> and to quote Skyhooks, ego is not a dirty word. Ego is not a dirty <laughs> word. Yeah, um, <laughs> don't believe what you've seen and you've heard. Um, I think the more someone needs to write about ego on Facebook on a daily basis and put the letters E-G-O in capitals, um, I sort of think, hmm, I think I see a problem with the ego, says my ego. Uh, and so, <laughs> so I remember a joke once told to me by a healing teacher who said, um, I wanted to learn about the shadow and so I was up um, you know, trekking with um, some um, Tibetan monks and I said, can you tell me about the shadow? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, so, and so one of the Tibetan monks uh, went, okay, and he goes, like this, grabs out a Mars bar out of the guy's pocket, opens a wrapper, starts eating it and goes, there you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's sort of self-explanatory, mm. but, but I think the thing is that we need a certain amount of it. If we didn't have any of that at all, we wouldn't get out of bed, I think, um, you know. And I think that ego can not just be, I am fabulous. Mm -hmm. um, sorry about that really bad <laughs> egoic expression. Um, but it can days also... Days of our lives. Days of our lives. I'm having a baby. Yes. You're having a baby. <laughs> They're dying. They're dead. Oh, no, they've been reborn. Uh, but no, it, it can be um, that. But it can also be, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. That psychic over there who's famous, they are bad. Uh, because I know the true truth. Um, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, they've just gotten on a show. Uh, and you could possibly be on a show if it was your destiny. You put the hard work into it and didn't just go, it's my destiny, I don't have to do anything. Um, and, you know, you actually maybe took some presenting courses um, or did some TV work. You'd be ready for that. Mm, You'd be up absolutely. for that. You'd have the right energy. Uh, and maybe they actually might have their own sort of doubts about themselves. You know, maybe they're human. Uh, so I think the thing is not to project onto other people, I guess, your own insecurities. But also, what I usually say, sometimes many people will go to the well-known gurus. Oh, yes? gee, you are you. And I'm that idea, yeah, we all have. I know. But that <laughs> idea that sometimes I've learned throughout my life and my career pathway that these people, they have something to teach me, but I don't need to be like them. No. And so many out there, particularly in social media, we see they are trying to imitate, they are trying to emulate, they are trying to be the same. And there's only one of that person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's only one of you, there's only one of me. I love how you always put that way. And how many Elvis impersonators are there? They're <laughs> never quite the same. Viva Las Vegas and all, they're just not Elvis. And, you know, Elvis is probably looking down on that and going, well, thanks, but I'm laughing. 
um, you know, in his own way. Um, but I think he'd also be thankful of that because it's kind of funny, but it's also, well, thanks for the, you know, reverence. I, I did enjoy making that music. Uh, but, yeah, it is, it is really about that, you know, we're human. <laughs> we are having spiritual experiences and we are souls in a human experience, but we're also human. As I was saying to you before, when I decided to actually produce my own deck of cards, mm. I said to you, it needs to, be, it needs to have a clear point of difference. Yeah. I do not want to be somebody that's already famous and produce 20 deck of cards. Mm. I want to be Raul, somebody that produced something that is worthwhile, made with love from my heart to and, yours. And you feel it as a result. And that's what I wanted to achieve. I'm not here to mass produce another 20 decks. Mm. It's not who I am. And it's not what I was actually sent to do. But I knew that I wanted to do it. And I knew that it was part of my pathway. And that's part of the positivity of your ego to say, hey, Rose, you can do this. And you can, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to be the same as somebody else famous, but perhaps you can take the concept, turn it around, give it another shape, show it to people in a different format, in a different way, and then give something of value. Yeah. And sometimes that's when ego from my school of thought, from the point of view that I look at it, yep. plays a really important part. Absolutely. Because you have to have the, the guts to really go and do that. Because it takes courage. But I would like our listeners out there to realize that when people are throwing the word ego around and they say, no, you're coming from a place of ego, well, really think about it and think about, am I coming from a place of being selfish up myself, whatever it may be, or am I really coming from a place that is driving somebody the wrong way mm. because <laughs> they want to do it and they can't, well, they and feel, I can't. Well, they feel threatened. Exactly. And, and um, you know, it, it is that whole kind of energy of just be who you are and, and you know, and don't, don't let other people their success, their failure, whatever, really mark all goody or all bad or, you know, it, it's I'm doing me and it's great. And if you're focusing too much on someone else, it's really good to go back to, okay, what am I not starting or finishing for me? Uh, you know, let's put the energy back there uh, because that will get you back on track with what you're meant to be doing anyway instead of either emulating someone or hating them even though you might not have met them before uh, and just, you know, then you're going to do you better and, and then you are your unique self and then everything's happy. And be mindful of sometimes I see people going around the world uh, doing, I don't know, whatever talks they do and courses that they do and people go and pay hundreds of dollars and I was one of those. But one thing that I did was I went in knowing I'm paying this amount of money. What is it I'm going to learn? What is the takeaway? What am I going to use? Yeah. But I'm not trying to be mm. that person. Mm. And also, um, I'm not trying to do similar things and I'm not trying to actually be a different version of me. Yeah because that's when you actually get confused and that's when perhaps the negative side of oh, ego takes hold. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that, that projection thing. And it's that it's owning your own shadow or ego. Um, there's actually a book by Robert A. Johnson that's been out for absolutely eons. Yes. And it's owning your own shadow. I mm. love that book. <laughs> uh, I get all my students to read that because it's just so handy. Like if you find the balance in your own life, then you've got no need to project your stuff on other, other people. Yeah, And sometimes many of us get into that place of 
anxiety because you want to produce and you want to be better and you want to do this and being there than that still mm -hmm. going through the learning lesson of all of that but I was actually recommended a book by a, a general practitioner a doctor that is from England but actually lives in Melbourne his name is Russell Harris so if you look up Russ Harris um, and he has a couple of books one is um, The Happiness Trap Yep. And, and yes. the other one, the yes. second one, which you must read, is called The Reality Slap. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a gentleman that actually talks about him dealing with his own anxiety, with his own depression, yep. as a person, but also as a medical practitioner. Mm. And how he goes about, and he gives you true, real exercises on that book for you to do and for you to realize, hey, give yourself a break. Mm. You know what? Okay, that voice in your head that is telling you it's not good enough, acknowledge it and just yeah. saying, okay, you are there, but you know what? I'm not going to pay attention to you. And you were saying to me before that you had something similar, saying, yeah, I can hear you, but I don't want to do that. Mm. And that's, that's something that this, the dark side of the ego we actually oh, play yeah, out. Absolutely. And there's actually um, rational emotional therapy deals with that. And they and there's actually a book I've got. It's a children's book. It's intended for parents to read to children. But I actually also found it helpful as an adult. <laughs> and also for my children. And they've got this thing called the, the head hustler. And uh, the head hustler is a part of our mind, the critical mind, that says, you can't do that. You can't be that. What do you think you're doing? And, you know, and it's sort of, woo. And, uh, and, and they're saying that in people who are really stuck in that space, uh, the head hustlers way up, turned up to 11, right? Uh, and the good part of them goes, no, I'm doing this and it's fine, is like down at one and a half maybe. And so the thing is, they're actually turning the dials around the other way. Mm -hmm. So uh, I find that sometimes I'm telling clients to... Um, you know, and I'll actually tell them what the head hassler, so to speak, is telling them. And they'll go, oh, that's exactly what goes on. And <laughs> I actually tell them what's going on in their head while I'm saying all this stuff. And you just thought that, didn't you? And they're like, oh. and, I, and because in that space with that particular client, that's what I'm needing to do. Yes. With another client, we're not doing that. Uh, so, you know, and, and I'll say, well, this is actually the head hassler part of you. And so when that speaks, you need to say, I am fine, deep breath, diaphragm release, hello. Uh, I am fine and, and I'm doing this. Um, you know, and, and to take a few more chances in life rather than going, I'm constricted by fear, I'm going to stay here. But sometimes people need to go as well through that fear yes. to really comprehend and understand what it truly feels like, how restricted it is, mm. and how you actually need to push along and break free. Mm. And it's that idea that we were talking about before in your show, about that rebirth, that little caterpillar going yep. into the cocoon and suddenly transforming and breaking out and coming out as a beautiful butterfly. Gee, it takes a lot of effort oh, and yeah. it takes a lot of courage <laughs> to be able to live through that situation. And if you are in that situation, you're not alone. Jacqueline and I have been through it many times. Mm. We are currently going through it. Just because we're sitting here and smiling, that doesn't mean that everything is uh, rose-colored bras and time, yeah. rainbows and unicorns all of the time. Mm. Because we are solely living a human experience. And as such, we're giving ourselves a chance sometimes to be human. Mm. Absolutely. And that's when we sort of nick off into the cocoon. Uh, or I like to call it the beach. Um, <laughs> So much nicer.
Although secluded with nobody around. Oh, this is this is a very good beach. Not many people know where it is, and um, people don't know me. Mm. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, because, and you let the layers oh, peel off. Yeah, because I don't have to be anything. I'm just some chick over there that's under some weird umbrella. Mm. And uh, it's just fantastic to be able to do that because my work every single day is is the very intimate core details of what's going on for someone's life and maybe their crisis or something like that. And I'm helping them to find their way through that, uh, to navigate that. And um, so I'm dealing with the intimacies of people all the time. And so... Uh, that's why to balance that out, I will actually retreat away to places where absolutely no one knows me. Whereas when I used to live in Whittlesea, you walk down the street, how you going, how you going, how you going, how's your kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, everywhere you Nowhere went. Nowhere to retreat. Nowhere to retreat. And, and it was lovely having that community feeling, but it was just everywhere I went. It's like, oh, there's Jacqueline, great. Let's, you know, um, <laughs> sometimes it's oh, like this, but I'll, like, you know, and so sometimes you just, you do, you just need to go into, um, you know, the the um, local supermarket and they'll go, that'll be fourteen ninety nine thanks or whatever it is. Uh, and thanks, and here it is, and bye. And <laughs> the exchange is done and you move on. And you've got treats. Lots yes. of trees, and, and no one knows where you are behind those trees. It's mm. just fantastic. But it's that idea of um, we keep on saying to people, you need to ground. Mm. And that's mm. what you're describing, that oh. idea of grounding, getting in touch with Mother Nature, getting in touch with everything that is actually taking place. Mm. And although we say, okay, sometimes we need to be individual and unique, but being unique and individual doesn't prevent you from being at one with Mother oh, Nature. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I just have to go out the front door and I've got great big trees and I just go, well, not so much like that because the trunk is... It's a bit large. You know. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but I literally will sit in my window sometimes and just watch literally the seasons pass. Um, not, not the whole time. Um, but I'll be watching the um, flowers coming out of the trees or, or the leaves coming off. It's almost like the Whomping Willow in Harry Potter. It's like, yes. la 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 la, <laughs> sometimes, because it's just this massive row of trees and, um, you know, they all, the wind kicks up and you get the, they have these special flowers and they just go, all these golden yellow flowers just go flying in the breeze. And, Beautiful. Oh, yeah. So that idea of, and I usually say to people, it's important to commune with nature and if you are in a place in the world that perhaps at the moment you got the beast from the east mm. and it's extremely cold, bring Mother Nature in and you could have plants, you could have flowers and if that's not the case, have a beautiful photograph, a beautiful picture on your tablet, on your mobile phone of a flower that really makes you feel alive, mm. of a tree like you are describing that actually takes you into that little imaginary adventure that you can be in springtime surrounded by all these beautiful trees and flowers. Mm. Remember that being a soul, living a human experience and having that experience of ego is about allowing your mind to really take you on a journey mm. and, and go with it and travel. And it's as simple as sitting down with a four or five year old child mm. and having a tea party. Oh yeah, absolutely. And yep. the tea party is actually taking place in a beautiful castle. Yes. <laughs> and the dress and 
she tells you that she's a princess and is coming down the beautiful staircase and you have to go with her. Oh, you do. And it's cardboard and there's blankets, but it's fine. Um, you know, but they see it. They do. They do. We don't see it. Oh, no. Look, <laughs> I, re I do remember being this little kid and I, I had to sleep on purple sheets. You know, hey. Uh, royal purple sheets and uh, and so I'd gotten out of bed and I remember taking the fitted sheet off and somehow really expertly making this toga with a very long train out of this bed sheet and I'm walking down the hallway and I came into the lounge room feeling very wriggled oh <laughs> and all of a sudden I wasn't in the lounge room I'm actually in this marble um, paved area there are uh, massive pots of geraniums on each side of this staircase going down and there's this great big lawn with a great big maze and I'm like oh, I'm back yes and um, anyway I'm getting tapped on the shoulder by my grandma who's very much in the lounge room and she goes where are you and I go uh, oh, she tapped me on the shoulder, that's right. She tapped me on the shoulder and I said, and I, and I turned and I looked at her and I'm in the lounge room again and I go, where have all the servants gone? And I'm crying. And she said, and she had exactly the same degree, North Node in Aquarius, um, hint, hint, uh, that, uh, <laughs> that I did. And it turns out, and she says, well, Jacqueline, this is what happens when you mistreat people in another life. You come back and you have to do it the hard way. Right. <laughs> I just, I was crying and crying, but I actually laugh now because it's actually quite funny. Uh, <laughs> it's just the altered reality of past life memory popping on in and the lessons of it. But it's exactly it that. Ego in. The lesson and that idea that you were saying, what are all the servants? And suddenly, Hello, ego. Suddenly your grandma brought uh, you back into reality <laughs> to say, you know what? Yeah, you do it yourself. You do it yourself, <laughs> darling, because no one else is coming to. And it was perfect. But it's still, it's still the other side. We've got the dark side of the mm. ego there, but we still got the light side of the, the ego well. of that little young Jacqueline that <laughs> she believed she was a princess. Oh. <laughs> she believed that she was surrounded by all these luxury and servants. Mm, she was uh, remembering a past life. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's a past life, but sometimes... Sometimes it's just imagine, imagination. Yeah. And, but sometimes it's kids that they read books, mm. that they see in a movie nowadays because, mm. you know, tablets, yep. mobile phones, mm. and they watch Frozen a thousand times. Oh, yes. And that, so that's what they're actually imagining. Mm. So their mm. imagination is a little bit more limited to what they have seen yep. rather than what they're experiencing in their minds. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I remember when you are imagining Dungeon and Dragons is out of a board game, mm. yes? Now you don't have that, you go and play it on your phone. Uh, yeah, it sort of cuts the imagination out a bit. They have to sort of find new ways of doing that. And hence why um, at a time I wrote a children's book with yeah. actually little handle that you go outdoors, my little angels talk to me and you talk to your little angels and you do something. And you colour it in. And you colour it in or you grab um, a mop or a broom and you make it into a horsey. <laughs> That's what we used to do. Yeah. We didn't have a horsey. <laughs> yes. Like the ones that you now buy with the head and the wheels at the back. We had a broom. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I remember the broom. And that's the side of the ego that says, don't be restricted by the broom. Create yep. it into something so much bigger oh, than what it is. Indeed. And allow it to actually grow. And that's what we need to 
to instill in our young minds and, and in our young people to say, this morning I was listening to a news broadcast and they were talking about kids being resilient yep. and bullying and all this. And I get it that a child needs to be resilient at any time. Mm when you are born on earth, you need to be resilient. But also, that doesn't mean that you need to be tough as nails. No. That's you can be resilient mm. and you can still be somebody that cares for people. Mm. That it will see something that it brings an emotion and they will allow themselves to cry. Yeah. But the phrase that I had when I was growing up, particularly as a boy, and as a young boy that I knew, as a young boy that I was gay, the phrase that I had was, boys don't cry. Mm, yes, I remember those phrases. Yeah. And that's something that, it never stopped me from crying, but it actually made me feel like I didn't belong because I was a boy that cried. Mm. When there was something, I didn't cry for everything, but when there was something called for that the emotion overtook me. And my father, mm. yeah, boys don't cry. And I still see, 2019, 21st century, parents saying that to kids today. I was on the farm and I was just pre-adolescent pre pre and I was told much the same by my stepfather. And, um, you know, you have to be able to judge people in 11 seconds, he's telling me. And I'm like, hmm. So many years later, I had a telepathy game with him in the kitchen table and he was sure that I was doing ventriloquism because he could actually hear me. Uh, but that was me paying back. Whoops. Mm, there's that side of the ego. Uh, but <laughs> So, you know, it's really interesting. It, it wasn't always just boys that were told that. On the mm. farm, you as a, as a girl were you often to told that as well. You had to be tough because you were facing tiger snakes, king mm -hmm. brown, um, you know, copperheads, red belly black snakes. And the interesting thing I found was my dad used to have a very sharp shovel. Uh, okay, and um, he would go a wandering with the shovel on purpose to find the snakes, uh, and they would come at him, and uh, then there would be a snake hanging over the fence that sort of didn't have all of its head, uh, as a, what he called it, a, a totem for the other snakes not to come here, and yet he'd constantly have these snakes coming at him, and yet... I, uh, at times, saw snakes on the farm. I actually saw a whole bunch of babies, tiger snakes, getting off the bus one time. <clears throat> and I, I thought, oh, what are they? They're about pencil size. And they were wiggly. And I'm like, oh, they're snakes. That's mm. right. Uh, keep away from the snakes. Uh, but interestingly, not one of them came at me. Uh, interestingly, uh, I was on the trampoline one time. I saw a, a red belly black snake. Uh, and I went, oh, snake! And I'm like freaking out. And I'm on the trampoline trying not to bounce. And the snake actually did, goes that way. And I thought, oh, hang on a minute. And then another time on the farm, there was actually a massive copperhead. And, you know, mm, mm. anyway, so that snake saw me, literally turned tail, goes scooting down the gravel, like, mm, down gravel, like loose gravel. It was dusty as. And the, the calf that I was walking sort of took off, actually strangely in the direction of the snake. But the snake was at, up until that point coming towards us, went the other way. So, And even I was down at the Twelve Apostles near home uh, and it was a massively hot day and I got, you better leave now. Okay, started walking. My son, who wanted to stay longer, and I just pointed out his animal totem, which is a bird, and I said, oh, what's he hovering for? Uh, I said, something's going on. 
and he, uh, he oh no, I want to take photos, you know. Uh, and he, he started to learn to listen to when his totem turns mm. up. It's like, hey, Lo, you need to watch what you're doing. So he walks, he's like, he's far away behind me, and I'm, I'm sort of further up. And then he, he finally catches up with me and goes, oh, yeah. A tiger snake came out, and I went like this. He put his arm around because the, the tourist was about to step on this snake. You got four hours if you're lucky. Uh, yeah. And the people coming the other way started stomping their feet and they were like making noises. And the snake, who up until that point was just actually going away from the path, mm. just mining, I'm, I'm going now. Just um, they started stomping. The snake, the snake starts getting agitated, and he's having to yell at these tourists, "Do not move!" And so he's holding this blank back. He's, hold, he's stopping them and yelling at them. And the snake went from literally rising up, <laughs> getting ready to, mm, uh, and it was actually coming towards him and this tourist. Head goes back down, um, flattens back out, goes off. And, that's... and this has happened many times to him in nature. And it's interesting how that carries through. So you've got the one who attacks them, they come for them. And you've got the ones who are saying, hey, sorry, we're occupying the same space. It's like, oh, okay. It's it's exactly what we started our conversation yeah. from the light and the dark mm. side of the ego, uh, and that idea that we keep on talking, we are all one. Mm -hmm. We are. Even with snakes. Yes, and when you understand that perhaps you're occupying the same space and you're saying, "Sorry, okay, I'll, please yeah. go first. Yeah. It's My like when you're giving way to somebody on the bus, on the train, you open the door for somebody and you're saying, okay, we're in the same space, but please go first. Yeah. And that's perhaps what the snake will actually react to. Thank you. Yeah. And they go. Yeah, they Rather do. Rather than, uh, this is my door and I'm going to go first. Yeah. Then the other person will actually get angry and it's the same. We react in the similar way. So from today onwards, people, we would like you to, to truly think about the word ego, having a really positive and beautiful connotation of being unique, of being an individual, of bringing your individual into the wholeness and being a part of that community without you losing yourself. Yeah. And at the moment we were talking before, Jacqueline, that energy that we need to come back into Our ourselves. Yeah. Yes. Which is interesting because we talk about the Kundalini with that mm. and here we are on the snake. <laughs> so you've got the lion in the snake as well. Correct. And of course, what's she wearing? On a headdress. Snake. Actually, about three of them. Three of them? Oh, <laughs> yes, yeah. So, um, we'll leave you here today with this uh, enlightened conversation about, yes, the positive side of ego. So, I would like to see more people out there when they go live, when they talk about ego, to talk in a much more positive light. Jacqueline, thank you so much for coming on the show, for being the first guest of mine for season three. Uh, we shall do it all again on another time and I would like to take this opportunity to thank my sponsors for this show, Lightworker Foundation and most importantly as well, White Light Publishing House, our publishers. They've been extremely kind to sponsor the show and for us to be here today. So to Lightworker Foundation and to White Light Publishing House, thank you so much for your support. And until we see you next time, please remember, believe in angels because they do believe in you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ralph. Thank you. <laughs>